Thank you, Father, for another opportunity to stand in this sacred place and to speak the oracles of God. I thank you for the health and the strength to stand here, and I ask you, O Lord, to refresh my memory and to stir in my heart the things that you and I have discussed in private, that I can preach those things and reveal those things openly and publicly. Help me, O Lord, and enable me by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak the word of truth. For thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. It is food for our spirit man. And I ask you, God, now for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said amen. amen. I care not today what tomorrow may bring. If shadow or sunshine or rain. You know that song? The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. I'm living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm safe in his sheltering arms. I'm living by faith and I feel no alarm. Is that the way you feel today? Living by faith and I feel no alarm. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel. We're going to begin studying about the biographies. We're going to start with Samuel simply because that's what the Lord directed me to in my studies. Samuel is such a wonderful figure in God's plan of dealing with his people, his interminglings with his people. There are great documents that are of Jewish design and Jewish origin. Number one is the Midrash. And the Midrash is simply a contextual, a commentary on the law and the interpretation of the law. Then there's the Talmud. The Talmud is very similar, only it involves certain exegetical things about the Hebrew customs and traditions of God's people, the Jewish people. There have been many, many attempts to wipe out the Jewish people from the face of the earth. Jerusalem has been destroyed seven times. Can you believe that? When you go over there and you want to study the historical relevance of, of Scripture, you have to go to what they call archaeological digs. In other words, that's where the people have gone and have dug out the things that were present when Jesus was there because you see, when they destroyed, destroyed by the Romans, the Persians, the uh, Arabs, all kind of have stacked layer upon layer of history over there. And the same way in all of the uh, country of Israel. Jericho is an interesting place. When you look in Jericho, you see the signs and you can see the literal uh, places where it was torn down and stacked one upon another, and you get down to a place where it is uh, all uh, rigorous and all burned and charred, and you wonder what happened there. But if you'll go back to the original 
uh, where the Israeli people appeared in Jericho, there was an earthquake there, the Bible said, and the walls came tumbling down. And you can see that in the archaeological dig. So the Midrash and the, uh, the Talmud and uh, these Jewish documents help us understand the thinking of the Jews. So what is going on right now that you see on news every night over in uh, Palestine is an ongoing attempt to wipe God's people out. And uh, Egypt has tried that. That's been tried by all. But God made a, a covenant with Abraham's children. Made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, surely blessing I will bless thee. And multiplying I will multiply thee. And I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them that curse you. America better really think a long time before you start messing with God's people because God keeps his covenant and he keeps his covenantal relations. And all nations need to understand when God says, I will bless them that bless Israel, I will curse them that curse Israel. We need to think a long time about that and preachers need to preach that from pulpits, especially right now, that we need to stand by Israel. And we need to stand by God's people and God's covenant people. In fact, the Bible even teaches us that by, by spiritual new birth that we're all children of Abraham. Romans 4 tells us that we're, we're part of Abraham's family and that we all have been adopted. Do you remember that tree that I preach about? That you take the, the wild olive branch and you graft it into the original well, that's what's happened for all of us. We've been grafted into the original people of covenant and taken in, and now we are members of the household of God. We're God's children too. Amen. The Bible said, as many as received him gave he power to become the children of God. Become the children of God. God is our heavenly Father. When Jesus came, he said, when you pray, say, My, our Father which art in heaven. Thank God for that, and thank God for that, that prayer that is prayed. We're going to go back and examine some things about, about Samuel. First Samuel opens with the story of, of a, a man named Elkanah. Elkanah was the father of Samuel. Elkanah was of the tribe of Levi. And how many of you know that the priesthood was from the Levitical system? The Levitical system. Were all the children of Levi... They were the ones that served in the priest's office. So Elkanah was a priest and served in the priest's office in, in Israel. Now this was a time when Israel was in very poor spiritual condition. Very poor. Very poor. There was a priest, a high priest, whose name was Eli at the time. And Eli had two sons. And uh, one of his sons was named Phineas. Phineas. Phineas means the serpent head. What about that? Phineas. And he had a brother, and his brother's name was Hophni. And Hophni was a, a hard-fisted fighter and brawler. Brother, you get those two together, and you've got a mess. You get those two in a church fighting and brawling, and a snake's head, then, brother, you have got a mess going on. 
But that's what was going on in Israel. And the Bible said they were, they committed abomination. Those two, two boys, in fact, in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, it says it calls them sons of Belial. Do you know who Belial is? The devil. It, it, wow. The, the Hebrew writer just simply put, these two sons are children of the devil. Sons of Belial, sons of the devil. And the Bible said they committed abominations. They, they would take the offerings that were, people would bring to the temple, and they would take these offerings, and they would, would take the, the sacrificial fork. It, had, it was a three-pronged thing. And they would go into the pot and get the flesh out, and they would steal the offerings that people would bring to the church to be offered in worship. And Hophni and Phinehas would take them for their own. Not only that, they had such a perversion going on sexually that they had uh, women that was coming in the name of worship and was doing awful, despicable things with Hophni and Phinehas. Now, we've got an aged high priest whose name is Eli. And Eli's got two sons that are sons of the devil. Don't you think that old preacher's children joke either. I'll tell you why preacher's children have such a hard time. They fool with deacon's children. That's why, why they have to have such a hard time. Hophni and Phinehas were sons of Eli, and Eli would not correct the wrong that was done in his own house. He would not be the priest that God wanted him to be. Hey, do you believe that the man of the house is the priest and for that family and the priest for that? Oh, you didn't know that? Yes, sir, husband, dad, God is looking to you to be the priest of your family. You're the one that is supposed to appropriate grace for children and the wife in your family. God expects you to be the spiritual leader of your family. God expects you to be the one that knows the Word of God and knows what we ought to do. Amen. God is looking for you to stand up and be a leader. Amen. God's looking for you to be that spiritual head of the house. And Eli balked from that and just would not correct his own uh, two boys. And we'll find out later on when we get on in this study about, about Samuel, about, about how all of that backfired because Hophni and Phinehas met a terrible end because they tried to do something spiritual, but they hadn't lived the life and hadn't walked the walk and hadn't talked the talk. And God said, you don't do spiritual things. You don't take my ark and put it out in a battle somewhere and think I'm obligated to win the battle. Amen. So God said, these two guys, they, they've corrupted worship and they've messed up the temple and they've messed up the sacrifices and all of this. And God said, I've got to raise up another leader. I've got to raise up uh, somebody with some backbone. I've got to raise up somebody that I can depend upon that will lead my people and will hold up the truth and the standard and do right and do justly according to my statutes and my commandments that I've 
handed to the Hebrew people. That they are a, a, a catalog of how I expect them to do and conduct themselves in uh, the temple worship. And they bring their sacrifice. You remember last week when we did the, the Hebrews 10. Remember that? Brother, I liked that, didn't you? Somebody looked at me after church and said, I believe you enjoyed that better than anybody in the house. Well, I probably did, but I'm going to tell you, I enjoy that stuff anyway. Amen. But you know what? I first discovered it and felt it when I first discovered it. I just passed it on to you. But did you get that where every priest standeth daily offering sacrifices which can never take away sin? But this man hath once offered himself for the sins of the whole world forever. So then God is looking for someone that will come in that will right the ship. Someone that will come in and say, this is the way we ought to worship. Amen. So God had to find and raise up a leader. Amen. Now, I want to tell you, God works in mysterious ways. Now, you would, you would think that God would have a Levitical person already lined up and ready to, to, go, to go to work, and God would summon a Joshua, or he would, he would find a Gideon, or, or he would find someone that would come in that would, would be a revivalist. Someone that would come in that would be an evangelist that would come in and, and bring fire and bring, bring enthusiasm and zeal to everyone. So he found God started with a family. I said God started with a family. And in a family, there was so much dysfunction in this family. And he chose a man whose name is Elkanah, which means the zeal of the Lord. Wouldn't you love to have a name named Elkanah? The zeal of the Lord. What is it that he gave those blessings and all of those wonderful things that were attributes of the righteous? And the Bible said, and the zeal of the Lord shall perform it. What that mean? That means God himself would get involved. The zeal of the Lord shall perform it. Praise God. Zeal of the Lord. Ephesians 4 and 30 says that it's always good for us to be zealously affected for a good cause. Zealous. In other words, God expects us to have zeal and enthusiasm about everything we do. Did you know that's one of the characteristics of the early church that made them grow and do so much for God so rapidly? Number one is the zeal and enthusiasm they had for God and for the church. In fact, the Bible said they ceased not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. When they were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the word. And the magistrates looked at them and the Bible said they wondered whereunto it would grow. Amen. They weren't worried about it dying out. They was wondering how big this thing's going to get. I wish God would send a revival like that at harvest. I wish God would stir harvests like that, that people on the outside would look and say, I wonder how, that's, how far that's going to go. I wonder whereunto it shall grow. Praise God. I would that God would start a work and would start a ministry that would so stir culture in our area that people would say, I, I wonder how, how far they're going to go with that. That's, that's wonderful they're reaching so many. Whereunto it would grow. Elkanah, who was a, who was a priest and a, and a father and in his family. The Bible said he was from the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroboam. And perhaps more importantly, that he 
had two wives. Wow. Wow. What was he doing with two wives, Brother Jerry? Well, custom and tradition, and I have to tell David this all the time, you've got to understand that we've got to go back to a time what we're living in and get the culture of that time, and you'll understand why people do the way they do. Amen? Well, let's just read it from the Scripture in chapter 1, verse 1. Now, there was a certain man of Ramoth, I am Mosephim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. He's the son of Joram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. Mm, bless his heart. The name of one was Hannah. We know what Hannah means? Favor and grace. Boy, that brought a smile to your face. That's pleasant, isn't it? Hey, we could all name our daughters Hannah. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Favor and grace. What a beautiful name. So Elkanah married favor and grace. Brother, I hope I married favor and grace. One was Panina, and the other was Hannah. Instructively, these names are significant regarding how the situation this family would turn out. The name Panina means a pearl, beautiful pearl, and a beautiful stone. Her name means beauty and charm and style and class, while Hannah's name just simply means favor. Brother Jerry, I wish I could be like those folks that are pretty and those folks that are beautiful, that look great in their clothes, and, and they've got so much class, and they've got a lot of style, and they've got charm, and they tell the most interesting stories, and they're funny. I just wish I could be like that. Quit wishing you could be like Panina. That's what Panina represents. If you've got the favor of God on your life, and if you've got the Holy Spirit alive in your heart and in your home and in your family, you don't need what Panina peddles. Because Panina was jealous, she was mean, she was hateful, she was sarcastic, but boy, she was pretty though, Brother Jerry. Don't marry for pretty. I'm going to let that soak a little bit. Somebody needed that. <laughs> I'm just telling you, brother. I used to tell Brian, Brian, son, he'd, he'd get these magazines and he'd look at them. Boy, ain't she a doll, dad? Ain't she pretty? I'd say, yeah, but you need to meet her and talk to her and talk to her, her folks and see where she comes from and find out some things about her. That might cause you more misery than you bargained for. Come on, somebody. So Panina, she represents all that is beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, she's jealous. She's envious. She's mean. She's hateful. She's conniving. She's provocative. She'll get on your last nerve. She'll make fun of you. She'll embarrass you in public. She does crazy things. 
And but listen to what the, the, the Bible says. She had, but he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the other was Panina, and Panina had children. Now we're getting to the heart of the matter. Had children, but Hannah had no children. So Hannah really had a bad time because Panina was constantly throwing it in her face and constantly reviling her and constantly slurring and slamming and smearing and slamming her because she couldn't have children. But listen to what the Bible said. The Bible said God loved God. I hope God loves her. But not only God loving her, Elkanah loved Hannah. It never says a word about him loving Panina. It never says a thing about Panina in the relationship. It talks about how God, how, how, how Elkanah loved Hannah. And, and let's just read it some more. And this man went out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Well, I don't know how far out of Shiloh Elkanah lived. Probably a good ways because it's at least 40 miles north of Jerusalem to get into the hill country of Ephraim where he originated and where he came from. So to get to Jerusalem, to the temple, it was at least 40 miles. And you know what? If anybody had a reason not to go to church, he probably had a good reason. Excuse me. Can't believe I said that. The pastors at the church were sleeping with women. The pastors of the church were stealing and robbing from the church. The way they preached was an abomination to God. I don't believe I'll go. But somehow or another, Elkanah got his two wives and whatever sons and daughters he'd had with Panina together and took them to worship every time they offered sacrifices at the temple. And the Bible said, and snake's head and fighting Freddy was there at church too. Y'all are kind of like, like that, that guy's talking to his mother. He said, Mama, I don't think I'm going to church today. She said, why is that? She said, I don't like me over there. They treat me bad, say mean things about me, talk about me behind my back. I don't think I'm going to go. She said, you got to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> Boy, if these, these folks, LK, not, but thanks be to God, they went to the temple and worshiped in spite of who the pastor was, in spite of however other people were living. In spite of all that, they said, praise God, it's time to worship, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to go, go worship. So he got his 
two wives, and he got his kids, and he took off. Let's listen to it. And the man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord. Every year when it came time to go take your sacrifice and worship, he said, praise God, that's what I'm all about. I'm going to go worship. I'm going to worship no matter what Hophni and Phineas do. I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship no matter how mean Panina is. I'm going to worship no matter how disappointed and bitter, bitter in soul Hannah is and disappointed and can't get her prayer answered and all of this. No matter what all else is going on, when time comes for me to worship, I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be worshiping. My God, somebody ought to say amen. When time came, he says, for me to go and worship, he said, he, and the two sons of Halfnai, Phineas was there, priest, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife. He said, Penina, if we're going to church, I need to give you something to worship God with. You need to have a sacrifice. Well, what about the, this priest of his family started caring about his family and said, you need something to help you worship. And everybody brings a sacrifice when we, bring, when we come in to worship. Every one of you brought a sacrifice today. Well, Brother Jerry, what was my sacrifice? You. You are the sacrifice that you brought to God today to say to God, here I am. When Samuel finally heard the voice, it was, uh, Eli told him, said, tell him, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Is anybody here that can tell God, here I am? Anybody here that say, I may have drove a long way to get here, but here I am. When I knew it was going to be worship time and they were going to sing worship songs and preach a worship message, then praise God, here I am. Here I am. Next time they've got scheduled to do it again, here I'll be. Why is that? Because I've got to worship. I've got to praise. And it don't depend on how somebody else worships and how somebody else praises. And it doesn't depend on how somebody else lives. That's up to them. Praise God. Panina, what, are you can fuss if you want to fuss and find fault if you want to find fault. I'm going on to church. Phineas, you can go on and spread your serpent head junk all you want to. I'm going on to church. Hop now, you can fuss and fight with whoever you want to fuss and fight. I'm going to church because I'm not going to church to worship you. I'm going to church to worship God. And when I walk back out that door, I want to say in my heart, I gave the Lord my all this morning. I left it all with him. Praise God. Hophni then, not only did he give Panina, listen to what he said. When that time came, he gave to Panina his wife and to all of her sons and her daughters portion. Double. He gave a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. He loved his wife so much that the Bible gave, he said he gave her a double portion. He gave her enough to worship 
the Lord for what he had done. And there was another portion to worship the Lord for what he's going to do. Here is my worship for what I have. And here is my worship that I want you to send. Here is my worship for what you have done in my life. And here also is my worship for what I have yet in store. Praise God. Have you ever worshiped God for what he's going to do? Have you ever said, thank you, God, for tomorrow? Thank you, God, for the promise of my, the rest of my life. Thank you, God, for all the things that you've got planned in my future. Thank you, God, for the plans and purpose you've got for me. And I worship you today, Lord, with all of my heart, but I want to worship you for tomorrow as well. Not just today. He gave her a double portion so she could worship for now and what she wanted God to do. And her adversary, that's Panina, also provoked her sore. Have you ever been beat up until you were spiritually sore? You ever been so spiritually beat up until, until you were sore? The Bible said Panina provoked her sore. Have you ever been around somebody that just agitated? Has there ever been a person in your life that just agitated you? Just got on your last nerve, never had anything good to say about you. The Bible, Jesus called it all manner of evil against you. When men shall revile you and shall speak all manner of evil against you. Hey, say it with me. Panina. That's who Jesus was preaching about. That person that speaks all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. And he says, don't return evil for evil. Just because Panina does it, that doesn't mean you do it back to her. It doesn't mean you've got a right to act that way simply because she does it. You're bigger than that. I said you're bigger than that. Amen. Amen. These irritants, these agitators. Oh, don't you love those, those folks that think they've got you figured out? These people, well, let me tell you about her. <laughs> Thus and so, when they don't really know a thing they're talking about. Come on. Agitating, aggravating, won't stop. You know, you, you push an animal into a corner and there will come a time that enough is enough. And then Phineas and Hophni, such stuff coming out of people's mouth you've never heard before. 
hopping, such swinging as you never seen, heard before. You ever seen anybody do that, brother? Lord, yeah. So at last week. Heard about it last week. I wasn't there. Were you there, Don? You wasn't there. But you heard it too. You just keep on agitating. Just keep on. Well, I ask you, sorry, you're just a sorry, that's what you are. You just low down, that's what you are. It's just cheating. You're just a liar, that's what you are. All right, I've heard enough. That's enough. Well, I, I know you. I know how sorry you are. I know how low down you are. You ain't worth salt goes in your bread. Now, I'm telling you, that's enough now. I don't want to hear no more of that. And bless his heart, he didn't act like Jesus. And next thing you know, he has this guy by the throat. Did you hear that part too? Heard it straight from the horse's mouth, Don said. Her adversary provoked her sore for to make her fret. You see that word up there? To make her fret. Now, in biblical language, that means get all worked up. Amen. I've seen all worked up folks when they were coming toward my direction. And I said, oh, Jesus. Here comes some fret. <laughs> Provoked her to make her fret. In other words, her, uh, her objective was make her so mad and so ill. And then look at, look at. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and she did not eat. Hannah got to the place that she was so dissatisfied with life, that she was so badgered and so cornered that she couldn't take it anymore. That's not what she did. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Her anguish, her pain, her sorrow, her utter disappointment and discouragement was so strong that she just wept. Have you ever, ever heard people that were so hurt that their weeping had a certain sound to it? And their crying had a, had a certain feel to it that you know it was from the heart. The Bible said she was sick and saddened in her heart. Sometimes life can be so debilitating. Sometimes life can just become so unbearable. And that's where Hannah was. Hannah was ready, live or die, sink or swim. I'm going to go to God's house. 
and I'm going to pray. And the Bible said she got down on her knees at, at the house of God and she began to pour out her soul unto the Lord with such severe anguish and such sorrow that Eli came over and thought she was drunk and taped her mouth so that she wouldn't blaspheme. Has your worship ever been misunderstood? Has your good ever been so scandalously attacked? Has your worship to God that was so sincere in your heart but in the ears of other people was so objectionable? Some may have gotten up out of that altar at that time and said, no more, I'll never come to the house of God again, I'll never pray another but she didn't do that. She just kept on praying. And she said, God, if you'll grant me what I'm asking, I want you to bless me and favor me. My name is Favor. Would you please favor me? I'm under such shame and such reproach because I can't bear children. And in that culture, it was a tough thing. She said, but if you'll answer my prayer, and if you'll give me a man-child, I promise you that I will give him back to you. And the longest day that that child shall live, it shall be lent unto the Lord. Who was that answer to prayer, Pastor? Who was that person that God chose to bless her with as the answer to her prayer, but also the champion that God needed for his people. The answer to the prayer is Samuel. 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 One whom God has blessed. One whom God has blessed. God knows the answer to your prayer this morning. Well, Pastor, I haven't even prayed it yet. He knows the answer before you ever ask. He knows the solution before you ever state the problem. He knows you so much better than you even know you that he knows exactly what you need and he knows exactly how to speak to your heart. Would you stand with me for just a minute? Don't leave. Stay with me. Could we say this Sunday morning, Lord, like Elkanah, my worship is so precious to me that I will worship you. Come what may, whatever the price, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, I will worship you. You are the Lord of my life. Some of you need to pray this prayer. Lord, I need you to come into my heart this morning. I've never really asked you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. But I'm asking you this Sunday morning, this pastor has preached about the answer to prayer. Lord, I need you to answer my prayer. There are things in my life that need to change. There are things in my life that I need help. There are things in my life that I need God to 
help me and show me. But my first need is to ask him to receive me this morning, to wash me in his wonderful grace and the saving blood of the cross of Calvary. I need this morning to make a new beginning. I need this morning, Lord, to be a, a starting point for me and for my family and for those that I love and care about. And I ask you, Lord, right now to come into my heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I think somebody's doing this right now. Somebody online is doing this right now. Somebody that's watching online, God is touching you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. If that's your prayer today, would you just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. If God has saved you this morning, would you just say, thank you, God, for saving me? Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you, O oh Lord. I accept you as the Lord of my life. Lord, you'll have to teach me how to walk because I don't know how to walk. I'm just a baby. I'm a newborn person in the kingdom of God. You'll have to show me the way. You'll have to take me by the hand and lead me, God. But I want you to do that because I want to be saved and I want to make heaven my home. Bless the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? Amen, amen, amen. Now, would you give God a great big hand clap of praise? Thank God for people that are one into the kingdom of God, people that are born of the water and the spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name, God. I worship and praise you. I praise you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen.